I'm AJ Bianco from Podcast PD, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows in the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another wonderful episode of My EdTech Life. Thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful morning, or it may be afternoon where you are, or maybe already into Sunday, wherever in the world that you may be. Thank you so much for making My EdTech Life part of your day. We really appreciate all your likes, shares, and follows. And as always, we always strive for excellence to bring you the best on EdTech topics or on anything education that is happening. And I am really excited because today I have some amazing guests. We have SJ Bolton, who is joining us along with Bonnie Nieves. So I'm just really excited to talk today about Labster. We're going to be talking about virtual labs and how we can engage learners through this, through the learning, through Labster. So I'm just really excited as a former science teacher to just go ahead and dive into this show. So let's go ahead and get started. So uh, before we get started, SJ, if you can give us a little brief introduction of, of yourself, where you're from, and the work that you're doing. Uh, cool. So thank you again, Fons, for having us here. It's, it's so exciting to be on a live podcast as well. Always a pleasure. So I'm based up in northeast England in a place called Newcastle. And my entire teaching journey has kind of taken place in northeast England up until I joined Labster. So my background is in biomedical and medical education. I studied pharmacology at the bachelor's level and then cellular pathology for my PhD. And somewhere along the way, I ended up building robots for a bespoke automation company because that's what you do with a pharmacology degree. After then, I got into science communication, started teaching within, again, Newcastle University here in the beautiful Northeast and found Labster as a way of kind of, one, increasing my footprint as an educator. It went from 2,000 students to 2 million in about two months, but joined as a simulation director to build virtual experiences and really change the way that we could do scientific education. And it's been a wild ride since then, joining oh. in 2019. <laughs> wow, excellent. SJ, that was a whole lot like packed into that. So I know we will we'll definitely unpack that as we go through the show and as we continue to talk about Labster. But thank you so much for joining us all the way from the UK. And I want to also welcome Bonnie Nieves to the show. Bonnie, again, we, we talked a little bit pre-chat. I was just so excited. Longtime follower of your work. You know, everything that you do, that you share, that you put out there. I'm definitely always just kind of lurking and seeing the amazing things that you're doing. So thank you so much for what you're doing for the education community as well. So Bonnie, for our audience members that may be watching, tuning in, and maybe just finally getting to know who you are. Give us a little introduction about yourself and your context in education. All right. So first of all, SJ is amazing, right? Like I, I can't even believe that all of that came from one person's experience, right? It, it's awesome. So I'm thrilled to be able to be here. I am in central Massachusetts. And if you're wondering where you could actually almost put your finger on my house on a globe because I'm right at the junction of Massachusetts, Connecticut and Rhode Island. So there's that. You'll always know where I am. And I am a high school science teacher. I teach life science, anatomy, physiology, biotechnology, typically. And I am an author. I have the book Be Awesome on Purpose through the amazing Edumatch and Dr. Sarah Thomas. 
and I've started a consulting company um, called Educate on Purpose, and I'm rolling out some new online courses this year. So I'm pretty happy about that. And I guess that's me in a nutshell. Wow. Well, I mean, like, yeah, you say that's me in a nutshell, but I mean, if you really follow you and the work that you're doing and the stuff that you're putting out and sharing, I definitely encourage any one of our listeners and those that are tuning in live to please make sure that you follow both SJ and follow Bonnie. I have been putting in the links there for their LinkedIn and for their Twitter. And obviously they'll be all in the show notes too. So that way you can go ahead and connect after you hear today's awesome conversation. So ladies, let's go ahead and dive right in. I'm interested in hearing about Labster and virtual labs. So, you know, one thing that I loved about this, going to the website and the first thing that to me just really popped out was where it says empower the next generation of scientists and like i was talking to bonnie earlier pre-game it's like a, being a former science teacher definitely very excited about you know giving students those learning experiences whether it was hands-on i was telling bonnie you know what when being a science teacher our science lab wasn't the best equipped so i was like always at the dollar store buying things that i we can use and we can go ahead and do hands-on but to give those students the experiences and it was wonderful documenting their learning, you know, putting them in stations where they rotate their document and using their devices to record and being scientists and it really exciting, you know, for them. So uh, we'll start with SJ. SJ, your work there through Labster. Tell us a little bit about the just the overall picture of an encompassing goal of Labster. For sure. Um, you've really hit the nail on the head when you mentioned, you know, labs not being always the best equipped, especially at high school level. Um, so we kind of have our, our two missions. One is very much higher ed and, and high school. And when it comes to high school, you know, science isn't something that a lot of people really aspire to be in. There's not a lot of scientific capital within the student body. So what's, what Labster really wants to do is create time and space for students to realize their curiosity about science <laughs> and realize it's not just one thing. It's not just biology. It's not just chemistry. There's this whole raft. Of, of intersections within these different disciplines that we think of as discrete. And it can be a lot of fun. And let's be honest, like, who doesn't want to go into a lab and kind of explode the thing? <laughs> when you're told not to explode the thing. <laughs> so the, we use a lot of productive failure in the virtual environment to allow students to explore, cu curiously explore the procedures, say, for example, in a, in a technique based lab, or to explore the concepts that they don't get to see every day. So, say, for example, you're teaching chemistry, you're talking about atomic number. You're never going to be able to show an atom in its native environment so much. So, you know, you go in, take a look, see how the protons and neutrons, they sit together, all that kind of thing. It really brings those abstract concepts to life and really helps with mental model building. And if we can get those foundations dialed in, it just helps students level up as they go through their education career. Yeah. So anything we can do for equity building, like, I think that's at the heart of what Labster does best. I love that. You know, a couple of things that you hit on is just, yeah, sometimes, you know, the kids, they, they don't say like, oh man, I'm going to grow up and be a scientist. And well, a couple of things like you mentioned too, it's like either, you know, labs can be very poorly equipped where they don't get that hands-on experience or get to get inspired and mm -hmm. feel like, wow, this is something that I can do, but also just that representation of, hey, you know, wow, that, that, that person looks like me and, and they're doing this and something to get them excited about. But, oh, absolutely. But mainly it's just like you said, just getting them engaged and getting those experiences right. that they may never have because that's one thing coming in into education that it 
kind of had to learn real quick because like I was telling Bonnie, I didn't go through the traditional education route. I came from marketing and sales and coming into education. Well, it's about knowing my customers, knowing my mm -hmm. students. And so I always joke with people back in 2005, I was doing personalized learning before it became a buzzword because I had to sell the subject to 30 different customers and not everybody's going to buy it the same way. But what you learn in there real quick is that not everybody's dealt the same cards and, you know, the access that others may have. And so what can we do to make sure that everybody gets these experiences that otherwise they may not have mm -hmm. if they're at home uh, because they don't have access, they don't have the technology. So I absolutely love that aspect. So now, Bonnie, I want to jump over to you now, you know, as using this, you know, tell us your experience or the lobster experience for you and how it has worked for you. So the, oh, there's so much to talk about. That's a, that is a huge question. Um, I'll start with the um, building equity using it because there are kids that come from actually at the high school level, they potentially could come from a lot of different districts with different backgrounds and different science lab experience. So with Labster, it gives kids an opportunity to have an, a level starting point, right? Where everyone has this common experience that we can build off of. And regardless of the amount of previous experience they have, everyone has an opportunity to use that same, um, that same lab equipment. And really, it actually gives them like a, a hands-on feel to it the way it's built. And there are other, and not that I want to like turn this into an advertisement for it, but the reason why I love it is because there are other labs that show you that you can do simulation and you can manipulate variables, but you don't actually touch the stuff. And this is as close as you can get to actually physically touching things and manipulating and moving and then seeing what happens. Mm -hmm. So for the student that maybe are transferring in from a different school that have no uh, lab experience in their nine years of school, to sit next to a kid in a, in a physical lab setting, they're at a significant disadvantage unless they've had some experience like this to be able to get in and try things out and see what things look like when they don't go right. And... Um, really experience science in a in a safe way before they get into a lab and yeah. actually do blow things up. <laughs> we had a, a really interesting anecdote from a student in Northumbria University in the UK who um, had a slightly Pavlovian response to the, the sound of a pipette clicking in a virtual lab and she's like oh no I know where I am I know what I'm doing this is so comforting and she liked that the labster experience transferred in that way they're like yeah. familiar sounds and the familiar sights I was like Whatever works for your sister, that's amazing. Yeah, and they're all about all the love that. We're already getting some love here. We've got Maggie. Thank you so much, Maggie, for joining us on the show. And she was very thankful for the update on the tools with some pros like yourself. But she said this. She goes, she already sent the link to the science department head already as we're having this conversation. Oh, so super. thank you so much, Maggie, for joining us and for sharing this info. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that, SJ, as I'm kind of going here through the website. And, of course, we do have some questions that I do want to ask that we're going to dive in. But what I'm seeing here is I love the fact that I can go in and explore 
labs. And right now, currently, you have labs for the levels that are in high school, for professional and university and college. Now, will there be maybe any plans in the future for making labs for the maybe elementary space that would be made available? It's something that we're definitely interested in looking at. I think one of the things that's very difficult about building for elementary is just it's less to do with lobster and science and more to do with how acceptable is a virtual environment to a, a child that's at that stage in their cognitive development. So I think we need to understand that a little bit more before we start dipping into the elementary space. But I think there's absolutely an opportunity to use simulation education with that, that kind of grade level of student. Already like mantle of the expert, using role play, these are all things that are so important for developing critical skills at that level. But leveraging them in our virtual environment, that's where the the real magic's going to be. So I look forward to exploring that for sure. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I'm looking forward to exploring that too, because <laughs> that would be just something wonderful. And like now that technology, because of COVID, a lot of, you know, school districts, they are one-to-one. So students mm-hmm. do have access to those devices. And uh, of course, you know, here in Texas, really, it's just science really starts the, the state testing starts in fifth grade. And it's yeah. fifth, eighth, and ninth, I believe that's when they do the state testing. So just something, an additional layer mm-hmm. of teaching and having that hands-on component would definitely be something very beneficial where they can manipulate. Uh, Bonnie, so talk to us a little bit more too, as far as now diving in into the teaching experience and with mm-hmm. the labs. Uh, I know we've hit on a couple of things here, but just from your experience, let's say, you know, what is it that you see your students when you're able to use this platform, what are you getting from your students, their reactions, or maybe what was their initial reaction when you might have first introduced it and how you've seen that change? Yeah, this is something I've been really um, wanting to talk about because I, if you follow me on social media, I I don't just post the pretty stuff, right? This, there's going to be some sort of bumps in the road. So um, I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, we started using Labster. And right away, every kid was like, oh, can we do that again? It it, it wasn't that smooth. They're, they really enjoyed it at first. And I mean, it's because we did the um, we did the body. Oh, SJ, maybe you can help me with the particular name of it. It was the body planes with the chimpanzee. Oh, yeah. Body planes and sections. It's just right. about how, learning how, the different orientation of the body and the words we use to describe different parts. Yes. Yes. So at the end, there's this part where they're collecting fruit and they give the, but they give the chimpanzee different types of fruit. And it, so it takes an apple, it eats it. It takes a pear, it eats it. But you give it a banana and it dances. <laughs> so that was, that was it. They're like, Oh my gosh, this is so fabulous. Like, did you get your monkey to dance? Did your monkey dance? (laughs) What kind of fruit did you give it? So they were having so much fun, but that happened at the end. So that was actually really good to build their anticipation to see what would happen next time. And the next time we did the lab safety, which was where they have to learn. And this is another great thing about Labster. You have to put on your gloves and a lab coat Every time you walk in the lab, that's just what you do every single time. So it trains them for real life. But then they're going through all these things where they get to actually explode things and do things incorrectly. And, and see the consequences. <laughs> yes. so there's, there's these kids. And I just imagine there's this bank of computers in our, in our computer lab. And there's a bunch of kids. 
at the same point in the lab and they're going through and they spilled something in their eyes and they have to go over to the eye wash, but you have to get there quickly because if you don't, Labster will make you go blind for life. And the kids are like trying to do it over and over. And the kid next door is going, oh my gosh, hold on, let me help you or you'll be blind for life. And they did. <laughs> Emotion, they invest. <laughs> so at that point, they're really invested in it. So that's really wonderful. But what the real, the real thing that I love most about it is that it builds perseverance because they're not, all of the simulations are not that way. They're not all, all gamey and they're not all super, super fun in that way, but they're really rewarding. And there are kids that are, the kids that aren't familiar with computers because there are actually still some kids left that don't use computers 24 hours a day. They have some difficulty bringing in the environment and it takes them some time to get used to. So the we've been using it weekly for, oh my gosh, I think since October. And now at this point, every student actually does say, oh, this is Labster Day, right? We get to go down and, and do the Labsters. And in their science fair research that they're working on, they're actually citing their Labster experiences in their, um, in their science, sorry, in their science fair research papers. So it, it does take some time for kids to get used to maneuvering in that environment because it is the most realistic simulation I've ever seen. And then once they do, then they're all in with it. So if you're a teacher that's trying it and the kids start to lose their enthusiasm, please stick with it because it really, really will be worth it. Excellent. Now, Bonnie, I didn't get to ask, but uh, what grade level is it that you are using Lobster with? I right now I'm using it with 10th, 11th and 12th graders. And okay. that's a variety. I have a co-taught science class and I have honors. So it's with every every academic level. Excellent. Well, you know, everything that you described is just wonderful as far as, you know, some of that gamification components, that enthusiasm and that sense of realism. Now, again, I know it's very different and there can be many people that might be of the opinion of, well, it's everything is virtual and it's on a device and, and it's not the same. But, you know, we got to think about, you know, if we don't have that access in our schools and we don't have, you know, the proper lab setting for them. I mean, this seems like it is a great alternative, ver uh, you know, alternative to it. And SJ, one thing that I love, too, that you mentioned was also and Bonnie, too, is that you do see the consequences. If the experiment is not followed correctly, you will see what can happen. And of course, we see, you know, in this example of, you know, hey, if you don't wash your eyes, you're going to be going blind <laughs> for life. And so the students are there helping each other out. So that yeah. way, you know, they don't go through that. But sure. again, it, it's an alternative. And what I see the benefit, again, going back to my teaching experience is being able to break down the walls from your classrooms and from myself was taking students to where they might not otherwise have an opportunity to go to, whether because of demographics, you know, socioeconomic status and access to certain things, but if you are able to bring that into the classroom for everybody to enjoy on a level playing field, 
and be able to interact such as you're mm-hmm. describing to me, that sounds like a win because the students are engaging and the learning. And Bonnie, too, I want to thank you for just being very open and honest and saying like, hey, it didn't quite start off all great, but the more consistent you were and the more you practiced, the better it got. And the students were really enjoying those experiences. So I'm very thankful for that. So that's great. All right. So again, so high school, professional and university setting. So for yourself, this time I'm going to start with Bonnie and then we'll move uh, to SJ. So Bonnie, now with your the experience that you have in uh, your grade levels, do you see now as far as that engagement piece, students maybe even just talking a little bit more of like, hey, you know, this is something that I would like to pursue and maybe getting a bigger interest for that track, whether it's through STEM, you know, or specifically here, science, chemistry, biology, and and moving on in that. What has been your experience? Oh, ab- absolutely. And as a science teacher, like that, I'm sure every science teacher has the same goal. Like one of my kids is going to go on to become a scientist. This is at least one. This is my goal. And there are kids that come in now before I used simulations there would be kids that would come into the lab and all of this new and foreign equipment no matter how much prep time is really intimidating because they've seen people use it on like a forensics show or on a crime show but I I just a 12 year old I can't use this stuff so having the simulated experience first gives them a much bigger comfort level so they come in and they're they're already a novice at it so they can actually become an expert instead of going from someone with no experience to eventually becoming a novice and there are kids that are talking to themselves about themselves in a more positive way and i think that is amazing so even like conversations that i have on a regular basis are things like wow, I can't believe I knew that. That That's pretty neat. And I say, yeah, that's because you're a genius. <laughs> and you may not have known that yet, but now you do. So that's the type of thing that Labster can do. It, it builds up confidence so they're not intimidated by the things that typically would be. Excellent. I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that experience. So AJ, uh, excuse me, it's Jake. Going uh, back to you, hearing Bonnie's experience, you know, again, going through that lab setting, you know, getting the students getting used to it. But now those conversations of feeling empowered and feeling like, hey, I can totally do this and I get this. For you working at Lobster, what does that do for you? And what does that do for everybody that you're working with there? So at Lobster, we're very much a remote first organization. We're we're spread across the globe. We've got me in, in the UK, but lots of our artist teams that build all the, the 3D assets that you see and love in the lab, um, including that beautiful visual as- effect when you go blind in lab safety. <laughs> They're based in Indonesia a lot of the time, spread across Europe um, and over in Boston too. So we're everywhere. And I love that the the player, the, the, the student experience in our labs is something that really unifies everybody across the entire company. Like we're all thinking, you know, how can we, how can we improve the UX of these labs? How can we ensure that the types of mini games that we're designing, that they're true to life or that they permit failure in the correct way. And Bonnie and I talked about this a little bit before, like we want to make sure that when, when we sit to design a simulation, one of the first things we do, especially if it's a practical based simulations, we start by thinking, well, all the ways that this can go wrong. 
So I can say, how can I go wrong? How is a student going to misinterpret or misunderstand what's going on right now? And we start from the points of failure. And from there, we're kind of trying to understand, we're doing user research to understand where do they go wrong? Where are the mental models generally broken or need reinforcement? So we're trying to build our simulations to be sympathetic to the, the typical student that's going to be encountering them and anticipating where those points of failure in a simulation might exist so that we can put a learning practice around them. The difference between a virtual lab or any kind of simulation education really and being able to teach in, pre- in, in class or teach in person is that you can be responsive in the moment, whereas in a virtual lab, everything has to be there ready to go. So if we don't have a, a teaching loop or a thought loop or a remediation action to, to solve a problem or to solve for a stuck issue, then we need to fix it. So I love taking that chance to really dig into the nuts and bolts of a practical technique or a concept that's particularly difficult to understand. And then thinking about how can we take our student on a journey through this in a story-based, accessible way that they can see the, the kind of magic behind it and see how it works. Not just get the practical done. We're not kind of like output based like that. It's like, how can I take you on this journey so you know why we do it this way, what it's useful for, and how you can do it successfully and be reproducibly successfully in the lab. Um, and I think if we can do that effectively, we can exactly what Bunny said, we can reduce that cognitive load that the student experiences when they go into the lab for the first time. Like we forget labs smell weird. We three, we're all science people. We know what a lab smells like. But when you first smell it, especially if it's chemistry, you're like, eggs. Oh, that, that sensory overload. Like if we can reduce the cognitive load of like, I've been here before. I know what this equipment is. I know what the procedure is going to look like. You've got more RAM available to deal with the weird smells and the lab coat and the textures and the sensations and the weird lighting. So anything we can do to make somebody feel that little bit more comfortable and engage with the experience in a meaningful way, I think, I think that's awesome. That's and it's so encouraging to hear Bonnie kind of latching in and we're only one part of the story, right? Bonnie's crafted this whole scenario around using virtual labs that really enriches the experience and ensures that the students take something away from it. It's just not a one shot that's done in an isolated space and time. It's part of the curriculum. Excellent. Now, one thing that I loved, SJ, that you mentioned was going through the experience and actually kind of getting the why you're doing this. And again, oftentimes in education, I mean, it is so fast paced. You got to go through a curriculum and it's just go, 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 go. And students are just, boom, here we go. We're just going to go right through it. And there's no room for the why. Like, why are we doing it this way? No, well, this is just the way it's going to be done. And just follow these rules mm-hmm. and follow this and everything. But what I love that you said is just the goal is to not just be output based. And oftentimes in my experience working in a school district with the myriad of platforms that are out there, a lot of it is just output based. It's like, okay, do this. Okay, here's the output. Do this. Here's the output. But the way that you describe Labster and the way that I'm imagining it too is just being able to go through this step by step, you're still putting in, you're seeing results. But I love that you said we want to add that why component. Why are we doing it this way? That oftentimes as a teacher, you may not have that time because either your your time is so short. And, you know, in my district, we do what is called block schedule. So students only see, for example, their biology teacher, they'll only see them from, I guess, what, August through December and that's Mm -hmm. it. And then they move on to their next science. 
So mm-hmm. time is something that is valuable. So that's why a lot of students need yeah. to miss out on those. So that's one thing that I love that you mentioned that Labster offers. Yeah. How frustrating is it though? I remember as a student and I'm a perpetual student, so I'm in the middle of a welding course right now. <laughs> how frustrating is it to be told, this is how we do the thing. Do the thing exactly as I'm telling you to do it. And you go, well, why? Surely it would be easier to do it this way. And it's like, don't mess about, do it the way I've told you. I find that incredibly frustrating. And I think a lot of students do too, especially when you're a button, you've got the curiosity to ask that question and then somebody comes along and squishes it, right? Yeah. So if you can play a simulation and get your whys out and maybe satisfy some of them themselves, the sense of accomplishment of discovering the why can be enough to maybe drive a little bit of intrinsic motivation to stick with the course, get the course finished, right? So just little touches, little boosts along the way to really empower the teacher, empower the bunnies of the world to have students that are coming to the class ready to engage as well, you know? I love that. Now, SJ, I just have to ask because now I'm curious. Please, is your welding course an in-person or is it a virtual welding course? (laughs) It's hybrid. Ah, okay. See, I was curious. I just had to ask because I just wanted to double check. So I still have to be assessed in person. I have to be able to demonstrate that I can weld. But a lot of my teaching components are sent through video to learn weave patterns and things like that. So it helps keep the course affordable um, because you're not going through so much metal and the price of metal. Um, But I turn up to class understanding what particular welding patterns are. And then I try and do them. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that. So Bonnie, I want to go back to you now getting uh, the teacher side. Now that SJ, you know, one of the things that she touched on was, you know, that it's not just an output. You've described a little bit about how the course works for you, what you've seen, but for you as a teacher, you know, how important or what, how big has the impact been of being able to use Lobster as far as being in that time crunch? Now, I'm not sure how your classes are scheduled, but I mentioned here in our district, it's block schedule and it's like three months, you're in, you're out and you move on. Not sure how things may run over there, but as far as the time for you, how has Lobster been a game changer? So there's a lot of things I have to say about that. I'll start with, um, I have full year classes and we have one hour long blocks. So um, they it, we're on a five and we're on a seven drop two schedule. So we rotate and um, I see kids for just about four hours a week. But um, with that being said, I spend a lot of time on building executive functioning and social emotional skills. So anytime I can save time somewhere else is really important. What I ended up doing and how Labster has helped me with that is not only having the kids prepared for a lab before they come into it, but also giving that bit of time for myself to step back while kids are working on the interactive, they're talking to each other. I can have them work in partners and um, like then they're building their social, emotional and um, collaborative skills while they're doing that. But because I don't have to be supervising kids with actual glassware and chemicals and things like that, I can go around and have conversations about 
oh, that's an interesting choice. Why did you decide to put that bacterium in that Petri dish? Right. So it lends itself to lots of other conversations. And that's, um, I don't know if that really saves time because I'm, I'm spending my time doing something else, but it, um, it changes the way I use my time. Let's, let's just say that it has really provided some important space for other skills. And, you know, what I like about that is that now you said, you know, you have that you don't think it saves you time, but I mean, you're using your time in a different way. But I think just the fact that you're able to dive in deeper. And again, just through my experience, it's very much just sometimes it's just very superficial. You just go through things because you either a self-contained teacher in elementary where you're teaching all subjects. So you got to like go, 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 go. Uh, and then, of course, you, sometimes you fall into those love lessons where there may be teachers that may not feel comfortable with certain subjects because they haven't taught it in a while. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now I'm teaching this. So it's kind of very superficial. But the fact that here with Lapster allows you to see that students to see that lab setting, but now you can go into deeper conversations with them and the, the whys and the hows and what do you think and all of that. And I think that I find that very awesome. <laughs> like I'm just so excited about it right now. And I'm like, oh. man, if I was in school and I had something like this, I, just the types of conversations that I would be able to engage with with my students and what I could be able to draw out from them that they've never thought of before mm -hmm. and giving them that experience is just something that's great because those skills become transferable. I mean, it's not just for science. They can use them in all areas of their curriculum. And so I think that that's something that is wonderful. So uh, now, Bonnie, I'll start with you again now this time. So as far as the cost effectiveness of this, I know you mentioned, you know, you don't have to worry about buying chemicals, you don't have to worry about buying maybe like, uh, you know, fetal pigs or anything of that sort. So how has your district embraced lobster on that side? <laughs> so as a district, we haven't adopted it. It's um, myself using okay. it with all of my students. Okay. So um, I have 125 students mm -hmm. using it. So if you can just um, well, first of all, the comparison of Labster to another simulated lab um, company is a lot less. And I'll just leave it at that because I don't I don't pay the bills at the school, but I do do some um, some research. But imagine paying for the lab equipment for 125 students and to make the labs meaningful at the same time. What I've found over years, what districts try to do is um, put kids into bigger lab groups. So instead of working in pairs, students would work in threes. And we know that threes don't work because there's always one kid that gets left out somehow when there's an odd number. Oh, takes the state back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And there's just there's too many hands. It, it actually becomes dangerous at, at some point. So um, the optimal number for a lab is typically in pairs. So it's a significant cost to do physical labs, for, especially for every single thing. So as a teacher now, I can choose the labs that I think would be best for um, like actually manipulative hands-on labs and choose which ones are the most cost-effective and use Labster for everything else. Like there's, it's 
um, like we have not even talked about all of the variety of wonderful labs they have, the resources that they have, and the support that's built into it. It um, again, I'm not trying to sound like an advertisement, but it's phenomenal yeah. product. And just listening to SJ talk about how like all of the thought that is put into the design of it is evident from the minute you start using it. I I was in love with it the minute I opened it up and there was this bobbing doctor one that was there to answer all of my questions. It's like, whoa, and tell you jokes. I mean she's she's just yeah, wonderful. she'll tell you terrible jokes. They are terrible. You yeah, send me all of your suggested yeah. jokes uh, to my LinkedIn address. <laughs> For anyone who's listening, jokes always well. You make a really good point, though, that, Bonnie, you're optimizing your labs. This isn't like a direct replacement thing. Nothing is going to replace time in the lab with your hands on a pipette. Get developing that manual dexterity. Mm-hmm. But to hear you talk about, like, the optimization is is so interesting, especially to me because I'm like, hmm, well, which, which labs are the most, you know, which ones are the most expensive to be able to offer an alternative or offer support for well, them, you know? Yeah. Um, so I love that you've struck that that harmony between the manual dexterity development and the cognitive development around procedural based learning. Yeah. That sounds so cool. Yeah, that was. Uh, so that's what I was going to need. Sorry. But no, but it's great. I'm like, this is awesome. But this is awesome. This is what makes it so much fun, you know, just being able to just share freely and then just, you know, p- uh, play off of, you know, other people's ideas and comments and everything, which, I think to me was something that was so beneficial because oftentimes at at a district and working at a district level, it's just once those requisition sheets come and it's like dollar sign, dollar sign, it's like no, no. And it's scary because there's a budget. You only have so much that you can allocate. But if being able to see things through the lens like Bonnie shared right now, where you can maximize, you know, with certain labs that you can offer that, but still keep those that you really need the students to really get that hands-on approach. And like SJ was mentioning, that manual dexterity, all of that. I think that that is something that is very, very beneficial. So I'm really excited about that. And another thing that Bonnie hit on that I want to talk to SJ about is, SJ, you know, right now, Labster, as far as simulations are concerned, how many simulations does Labster have available right now? We hit 300 literally just before Christmas. (laughs) <laughs> so we have 300 i think fingers crossed that we can do a launch we should have 306 by the end of next week um so we're turning out new simulations all the time um i've been really excited to see especially the the dedicated um high school teams and their content production because we've only really been exploring high school specific laboratory development for the past kind of 18 months um, and that output is just phenomenal. There's a particular ones that are, not to sound like an advert, I'm just really proud of them. So I'm proud of the work that Anastasia and her team have been doing. Um, Anastasia is like our high school product manager um, around fusion and fission. Um, so things that are really difficult for a student to cognitively get into their brain. Like, what do you mean it becomes? <laughs> anyway, and one thing that I was really encouraged by is that we'd explored co-creation with a, with a high school teacher as well. And um, so we were like, if we're really going to build something that's got true value for, for a high school educator, we need to involve them in the process. So in this occasion, we had a high school teacher. She came along the journey with us. She is so enthusiastic, just like talking about 
this is why I think fusion is the most important thing. This is why I think it's really exciting. And her enthusiasm really rubbed off on the simulation development team. And there's always a scientist in that team. So we have scientific content creators who are at least bachelors, if not masters, a PhD level educated scientists in a particular field embedded within the simulation creation team. And just the enthusiasm of this scientific person plus the co-creator with a team of people who just genuinely want to build something that's fun, that's informative, that's accurate, that's going to help someone. It was magnificent. So these two simulations, especially, I cannot wait for them to be unleashed upon the world. <laughs> that is great. You know, I, I love, I love, love that, you know, how you're including educators in this and giving educators voice because for many years, many years, it's, you know, companies will put out products, but they've been so far removed and it's what they think needs to be done, uh, maybe based on research. But really, when you get into the classrooms, you may see like, wow, we're really kind of focusing on something that's very different or what we thought was the the answer to this problem or, you mm -hmm. know, it's definitely not. It's just something that um, is very important. So I really love that, that you do take into account, you know, the teacher voice, that yeah. teacher experience, along with, of course, your your science creators that are out there that have that experience. And so that's wonderful, just being able oh, to sure. marry those ideas and then just bring a product that wonderful teachers like Bonnie and anybody mm -hmm. else might be able to bring to their students. Go ahead, SJ. You were going to say something? No, it's just, it's interesting because it's been so, there was a massive change at Labster. We used to make a lot of simulations that were very practical oriented, and it was about learning procedures and learning techniques in a safe way, which is awesome. And we made such a pivot over the past 18 months around including more conceptual simulation because during the pandemic, especially, we got a lot of feedback around, it's great that we can teach them this lab technique, but they still don't understand the, the founding theories behind it. How can we make that more visible and engaging? So I'm just thinking about that fishing simulation. It's not a practical simulation. It's a, it's a living concept within the virtual lab, the virtual experience. So they can manipulate the very fabric of physics within that state. And it's trying to help understand the theory so that when we do come to apply those ideas in a practical scenario, in a problem-based teaching scenario, we understand the, the Lego bricks that make it up yes. <laughs> and can think positively about it. So yeah, there is a big change recently in supporting that, that knowledge-based learning that needs to happen as well as the, the skills-based learning. Excellent. Thank you so much. Well, before we wrap up, though, so Bonnie, I just want to come back to you. Now, I know you've said some amazing things about Labster, and of course, you're not necessarily trying to advertise, but that experience that you have, what I've heard from you is just how valuable it is. I love the fact that you've been able to pick and choose what it is that you need and how you've been able to customize your class and your, your course based on what Labster has available. And then, of course, what you need to teach. So uh, if you can just share before we kind of wrap up and into the last segment for you, would the biggest takeaways that you would love our audience members or anybody who's just learning about Labster for the very first time, what are maybe your top three takeaways from Labster that you feel are going to be beneficial to science teachers that can, that would be using Labster? They're going to give kids a, a level of knowledge that, um, Oh boy. Sorry about that. I just completely like thought, well, maybe I should say something else. So their kids can move at their own pace through these activities and still have notes available to them. Because another thing that we haven't even touched upon is 
the there's this thing called a lab pad in Labster that is a a box that hides down in the bottom of the screen. But when kids need help, they can click on it and it opens up and they can read a set of notes and get answers for themselves. So kids can move through, dig deeper at their own pace. And that is incredibly valuable. And another one of those time things that teachers don't know, where do I find the time to do that? This naturally um, builds in the time for that. And the second thing would be perseverance. It's different than most things kids have done before. It takes them some time to get used to all of the different ways of using a mouse and a keyboard and um, seeing things that are completely different, learning new vocabulary before they get into the lab. And the last thing is, and what surprised me, is how kids really remember because it's this really sensory experience that they um, they can see things and touch things and re they remember so um, so vividly that they can refer back to it later and kids come to me and say things like oh there was that thing that I did I don't remember the name but I was looking at this and I learned about this so I'd like the notes from that section. Like, wonderful. I know exactly where that is based on how you described it. And they really just wanted to use that so they could cite information that they already had. They didn't need to remember the information. They just needed to remember where it came from so they could cite it. So they had the knowledge and the, the vision to match that. It was pretty, pretty cool. Excellent. That is yeah. wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Bonnie, for sharing that. SJ, thank you so much for just the wealth of knowledge that you shared. Your experiences have been just something so valuable and just really get me excited and pumped up today. But before we wrap up, this is our last segment and this is one of my favorite segments. So we'll kind of go back and forth as far as questions. And I always love to end the show with the following three questions. However, I did change one of the questions just for this episode. So, uh, but so it's basically- what oh, we read words. No, 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 it's just- no. Well, it's usually, <laughs> usually I'll, I'll, I, I actually, I, I ask, always ask a question at the end. It says, you know, if this was your podcast, what would be one question you'd like to ask me? But I changed that. So the questions that you did rehearse are the same questions that you're going to get. I was just <laughs> putting that out there for, because I, I will have, I will have, I can think of one audience member that will call me out and say, Hey, why didn't you ask them the podcast questions? So I wanted to a disclaimer there. All right. So uh, we'll start with Bonnie first. So Bonnie, in the current state of education, what would you say is your current edu kryptonite? My edu kryptonite is grades. Yep. I, I do not like that. I have to provide a score on things that I may or may not agree with that's a snapshot in time mm. that may impact a student for a very long time. Oof, good answer. I like that. And I just like the fact that you emphasize it's like it's just a, it's a snapshot for that moment in time. All right. SJ, to you, in the current state of education, from your experience, you know, at Labster and what you see, what would you say is your current 
edu kryptonite. Now, me and Bonnie are very well aligned on this. <laughs> My edu kryptonite is the fact that we have a lot of educational scenarios that are developing the scientists of the future without actually assessing whether or not they can do the thing that they're trying to do. So output-based assessment rather than outcomes-based assessment is my mm, nice. I'd like to see more realistic, true-to-life forms of assessment being taken into courses, especially where there's practical component. Um, yes. Excellent. Make the assessment match the teaching. <laughs> Great answer, SJ. Great answer. All right, SJ, we'll start with you this time. Now, what's one thing that you are excited about education right now? So I'm going to be a bit of a Brit about this one. So forgive me, American audience members, um, but I know the same is true in the US right now, but we're seeing such a beautiful and elegant resurgence in the value that we place on voca uh, vocational and technical education in the UK right now. And I love that we are seeing uh, school leavers, especially aged, aged or even 14-year-olds in the UK, we're doing a lot of technical education, 14 to 18, pre-university. They're following their curiosity and their passions rather than the graded subject that they are good at. And maybe not taking the traditional academic um, pathways that maybe their parents did or their grandparents did, but instead they're forging out on their own path based on things that they're interested in, that they think are valuable to them and to society at large. So I think I'm really excited to see how technical and vocational education changes in the future, especially with some of the technological advancements that uh, are coming up. <laughs> Over the next few years, but I think it, it's just so valuable to see the these these skills being valued again and being actively pursued. Excellent. I love that. Great answer. Bonnie, on to you. What is one thing that you are excited about that's going on in education right now? Um, my answer is a little bit shallow, but it's chat GPT. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. Oh, my gosh. And, like my my kids are super excited about it because I'm super excited about it. And the conversations are just so varied. But my favorite conversation from this week was, it's funny how my English teacher is telling me that chat GPT is the devil. And over here, you're so excited and you use it all day long. <laughs> like, yeah, because it's the future. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I, I think for myself is like if, if you're asking a question that can easily be found through a Google search, we're asking the wrong type of questions. The and, wrong question. Yeah, yeah, the wrong type of question. So, you know, and, and the thing is, too, I, I, I did a little mini episode and, and I described my experience and I was really aging myself when, you know, I was in grade school and elementary. I think it was fourth grade when we started doing like little research papers. My mom would drop me off at the library and here I go with the Encyclopedia Britannica, these big books. And then I have to do a science uh, research paper on spiders or something. So, okay, so I would just open to the section on spiders and there I am just copying because nobody, yeah, I'm just getting the information, mm -hmm. you know? So, and then of course Google comes and it's like, oh, that's it. You know, Google has everything now. And now, oh, chat GPT. Well, I mean, come on, we, we really need to adapt to what's coming, the future of education, the future of learning, the future of work and not being scared to navigate these waters. For me, it's I always encourage teachers. It's like, hey, just get clicky with it. Have some fun. See what the potential is. And if it's something that can save you some time, then I'm all for it. You know, if I can give you 10 minutes extra in your day where you can just sit there with mm -hmm. the lights off at your desk decompressing, I think that's a win. I'll take that. And if yes. we can help you with that, then that would be great. But then, of course, you've got the other side where it's like, 
oh, well, now they're just going to be using this and they're going to be cheating and they're going to be doing mm -hmm. this. I was like, I think that you know your students and if they write and you build those relationships with them, you're going to know their style. They're going to need to put their own spin on it. They're going to need to just really learn how to express themselves. I see this as just a little base to help just kind of yep. start that writer's block approach mm -hmm. and just go through there. You're still going to have to cite sources. Yes. You're still going to have to do all of that. But don't dismiss it's almost like it. like you need to redesign the assessment, isn't it? Yeah. It's like it needs to fit. Yes. I was like, don't dismiss it. Don't, don't, don't dismiss it. <laughs> That's what I'm and, saying. And using it to write essays is just such a waste of its potential. I, I, I was just curious and I typed into it, what would be a good vegan meal to have? And it just, it just gave me suggestions and I'm going to have a stuffed sweet potato for lunch today because <laughs> that's what being suggested today. It, it just, it's like a, a thought partner. Yeah, that's, I, you. I love it. I love it. Thank you so yeah. much. All right, last question. And we'll start with Bonnie uh, now. It says, if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? It would say, what is the best thing that happened to you today? Because I know for myself, I tend to really um, concentrate on negativity. And when I learned from Mr. Chris Quinn on Twitter how to be more positive about everything, it changed my entire life. Excellent. I love that because sometimes yeah. all it takes is just that one thing that you can yeah. go back and think about and it just changes everything where, like yeah. you said, that negative, it's like, what What am I even focusing on that? Because, and, and I'm with you, Bonnie, many times I hyper-focus on that one little negative yeah. thing and completely forget about all the great things that happen. But mm -hmm. that's just sometimes in our nature. All right, SJ, question for you now. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? See, I feel like Bonnie and I are like the devil and the angel sitting on your shoulder right now. <laughs> Bonnie is, what I've learned about Bonnie in the short time we've been talking is she is an eternal optimist and it fills me with two. <laughs> My billboard is going to say, does it have to be like that? And it's because I come often from a place of like, that really grinds my gears. I'm like, frustration i i am a person who feels frustration deeply but I, I need a constructive way to deal with it so rather than sitting there being frustrated and angry i want to turn it into something constructive and think well does it have to how could it be different i want to inspire the curiosity to want to change it in the future you know and um, being a simulation director wasn't a job that existed when i was doing my bachelor's degree all those years ago and yet here i am uh, doing something that i really love and enjoy and get to share with people so i yeah. love it does it have to be like that? No, no, but that's great. Yes. That's great because that's oftentimes the questions that I have when we're in our meetings. I'm like, why do we keep doing it this way? And I'm, I'm going to quote Amy Meyer, who was on the show. She's from Fry Technology. And her saying is like, we suffer from the twatty, which is the, this is the way we've always done it approach. And that is the biggest killer of everything. So why does it have to be that way? Well, because this is the way we've always done it. Well, it hasn't been working, but they still stick to it. So that's one of those things. So thank you, SJ, for sharing. But I have a little surprise because, and and I'm going to have, I have one extra bonus question for SJ because he is from the UK and I have a lot of friends in the UK. Uh, but one question to you is, 
clotted cream first or don't who do you think you are talking about <laughs> you're going to cause a rift curious clotted cream first or jam first the controversial answer is it depends on the consistency of the jam if the jam is runny the cream must go on first if the jam is solid the jam goes on cream goes over the top you have to assess the ingredients in front of you to find the right answer all right, I'll take it. I love that. Very political. I love it. Great attitude. Well, ladies, it has been an honor. It has been a pleasure. I'm so thankful for just the joy that you brought in this conversation. I'm so thankful for sharing your experiences, your enthusiasm for education. And this is, this is what I love about doing this, just connecting with amazing educators like yourselves from around the world, sharing your experiences and sharing them with everybody that will be listening to this show. So thank you so, so much from the bottom of my heart and to all our audience members that joined us this morning. Thank you so much for making my EdTech life what it is today. Please make sure that you stop by our website at myedtech.life, myedtech.life to check out this episode and the other 163 amazing episodes from wonderful educators around the world where you can take a couple of things, little uh, knowledge nuggets that you can sprinkle to what you are already doing great. And as you know, our mission is to connect educators and creators one show at a time. And if you'd love to support our mission, please make sure you stop by our store where you can go ahead and get yourself some uh, My EdTech Life merch. We've got some sweaters, we've got some hats, we've got mugs, we've got caps. So if you wanna contribute to our mission, please do so by doing that. Thank you, as always, for all the likes, shares, and follows. Please make sure that you share this amazing episode. And again, thank you. Thank you so much. All of the contact information for SJ and Bonnie will be in the show notes, and the show will be posted up shortly in about 45 minutes or so, so you can go ahead and catch that. But as always, don't forget, my friends, stay techie.